Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. I uh, would like to share, just share with you tonight things that have been on my heart that God's been speaking to me. So very casually, uh, just share what God has um, been doing and moving in my heart. And I really love that Pastor Mark talked last Wednesday night about condemnation and how there is now no condemnation. And that's how we can live with assurance and confidence in who we are. And uh, then Pastor Caleb on Sunday, he just set me up for today in a beautiful way because he talked about alignment and making Jesus our Lord, not just our Savior, and then aligning our lives to him which was a beautiful message, so if you didn't get that, go back and listen to it. And so today I want to, tonight I want to talk about um, the birth of a dream. Because in order to dream about your life, in order to have hope about your life and for your life, you have to walk without any condemnation, you have to know who you are, and you have to live in alignment, right? So those messages kind of set that up. And so one thing I think we do really well here is that we love well. When people come in, they feel the love of God through every hug, Diana's hugs, especially we were just talking about that, through every smile. Like some people, when they leave, they just sit in their car and they tell us, they're like, wow, they just know me. They know my name. And so I feel like we do that well, and hopefully we do that well Monday through Saturday too when we're at work or with our family or in our homes. Uh, another thing that we do really well, I feel like, is that when people come in, they experience the joy of the Lord, right? Through every hug, through every smile, uh, through every interaction, like people feel that. Would y'all agree? Yeah? Yeah, I, f- I feel that. And I feel like I want to add this and I want to charge us with this and challenge us with this. Um, I feel like this is the year of the dreamers. And what would the body of Christ look like? What would our church look like? What would our home look like if we weren't afraid, if we were a people who dreamed? In Psalms, there was a, a verse that said, when the Lord restored the uh, captives from Zion, they were like those who dreamed. And I wonder if that could be said of us, or if it could, what does that look like? And so a lot of times when we talk about dreams, we think um, a new home, or that new job, or that perfect godly wife, Robert. (coughs) And we think about things, (laughs) we think about things like that, like like a goal. But I want to, I want to talk and that's fine, and that those are dreams, and we should have those. God is dreaming over you. He has dreams for you. He has plans for you. I also want us to think about dreams in terms of I'm dreaming of family reconciliation. I'm dreaming of restoration in my family. I'm dreaming that my kids will follow God. I'm dreaming that my kids will surpass me in the ways of God. I'm dreaming that my family and workplace and friends will be so captivated by God, that they won't be distracted with anything else. I'm dreaming of a great marriage. I'm dreaming of a great sex life for my marriage. Because we can dream about that, right? Within marriage. <laughs> okay, I, <laughs> I have to, I have to uh, tell you this. This was um, 
a little, little funny. I know we have kids in here, but this is a good story. Am I okay? Or, okay. Um, so my sister has uh, her children, and they were reading a book. And uh, this was the funniest story I've heard all week, so I need to share it. They were reading a book, and they were watching a movie of the book. And so Megan, in the book, the people, the couple, they get married. And uh, in the movie, I think they get married, and they take it a step further. And there's a scene in there. I think that's how I could say it. And so Megan stopped the movie, and she's, are y'all following me? Are y'all like, where is this going? And so um, there's this scene in there. And so Megan stops the movie and says, you know what? We're not going to watch this uh, because the two people... They got married, and now they are going to have sex. And it didn't show that, but it's going to lead to that, and so we're going to skip it. And so the kids were like, yuck, gross. And Megan said, no, no, no. Sex is from God. It's from heaven, right? And it's beautiful, and it's God's design for marriage. And then they looked genuinely confused, and they said, well, then why can't we watch it? And so then that led to a whole other discussion, and it was like, okay, she has the best discussions with with her uh, family. I lost my train of thought now. and um, <laughs> But she told me that. I thought that was awesome. Okay, we're talking about dreaming. Yeah. There is a verse I read yesterday in Corinthians, and it was so, um, so sad to me. And so let's put that up, Andre. It's 2 Corinthians 6, 11 through 13. And... He writes, dear, dear Corinthians. Now, if somebody is saying, dear, dear Jerry Ann, it's just not good, right? It's not good. I mean, it's loving. But he says, dear, dear Corinthians, I can't tell you how much I long for you to enter this wide open, spacious life. This wide open, spacious life. We didn't fence you in. This is the message translation. The smallness you feel comes from within you. Your lives aren't small, but you're living them in a small way. I'm speaking as plainly as I can and with great affection. Open up your lives. Live openly and expansively. And I love that part. Your lives aren't small, but you're living them in a small way. And I wonder how many of us tonight have just let things fall to the side, given up hope, on things in our life, things that have been now, they're dormant or they're dead inside of us that God wants to resurrect because he's the God of resurrection, right? And so the Bible is filled with radical, hope-filled promises. But oftentimes it seems like there's a disconnect between our lives and those promises. We didn't fence you in. The smallness you feel comes from within you. Your lives aren't small, but you're living them in a small way. And so contrast that with Ephesians 3.20, which we've all heard. I want to read that in the Passion Translation. Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. And so before that, the all this that he's talking about, let's go up, and you don't have to, Andre, but let's go up to verse 16. And so 16 it reads, And I pray that he would unveil within you the unlimited riches of his glory and favor until supernatural strength, not your own strength, supernatural strength. That means there's no way that you could do it, it within your own self, 
floods your innermost being with his divine might and explosive power. I love that because God is more powerful than sickness. God is more powerful than brokenness. God is more powerful than chaos. God is more powerful than depression, right? Then by constantly using your faith, so you have to do something here. Use your faith. The life of Christ will be released deep inside you. And the resting place of his love will become the very source and root of your life. And then it goes on that you'll be empowered to discover what every holy one experiences. The great magnitude of the astonishing love of Christ. And so it goes on. It ends that verse, let's see, 19 that says, This extravagant love pours into you until you are filled to overflow with the fullness of God. And it's in that overflow that we can, that we can live, that we can dream, that we can do life, that we can do relationships, that we can do family. And so this is the verse I want to read. Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all, for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. It says he will exceed your wildest imagination, your most unbelievable dream. And I wonder sometimes if we live that way. He who has the most hope, whoever has the most hope has the most influence. And I think people should look at our life. There's a verse in Psalms that I love. I think it's 77 that says, um, your steps formed a, a pathway through the seas that nobody even knew was there. And so up until Jesus walked on water, nobody ever knew that was possible, right? Can it be said of our lives, when people look at us, they look and they see the God of the impossible. They look and they see, I didn't even think it was possible for a family to look like that. I didn't even think it was possible for a marriage to be that complete, that healthy, that happy. I didn't even know it was possible for a church to pay off so much medical bills for the community. I didn't know it was possible for a church that size to buy this whole property and pay it off within six months. Do you get where I'm going here? I didn't even know it was possible for that addict to become mayor of the whole community. Wow, how does that even happen? Even when Nehemiah was building the wall and we got, he got done, uh, his enemies looked at him and said, this is not even possible without the help of the Lord. So I believe that our, our body, our church, that people would look at us and say, I didn't even know that was possible. I didn't know it was possible to dream that big. I didn't know it was possible for that ministry to be fully funded for 20 years. I didn't know it was even possible for them to live like that. Wherever there's not hope in your life, y'all heard me say this before, any place in your life, in your heart, in your mind where there's not hope, you've bought into a lie. He who has the most hope has the most influence. And I believe that this year we're going to have the most hope. We're going to be a body full of hope. We're going to be a people full of hope. We're going to be a family full of hope. Amen? Amen. All right. So I want to go to uh, 1 Samuel. And I want to talk about somebody that had a dream of her own. 
And so, 1 Samuel chapter 1. And this, this is NIV. All right, y'all doing okay? Yeah? All right, 1 Samuel. All right, how many of you have heard the story of Hannah? Yes, 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 okay. I don't know, I <laughs> can't read y'all. 1 Samuel 1. And so let me set you up a little bit. In 1 through 2, it talks about a man and where he was from and that he was the son of this other man and this other man, and he had two wives. One was called Hannah and the other Paniah. Paniah had children, but Hannah had none. And so let's start with verse 3. Year after year, this man went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. Whenever the day came for elk, I'm just going to say elk because that sounds cooler, to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife, Paniah, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her. And the Lord had closed her womb. Uh, one, let me say something about that part, the Lord had closed her womb. I, I know that sometimes God will let your dream die so that he can resurrect it in his way. In verse 5, it says, but to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her. So he treated her as if she already had a son. And so we've got to be a people who surround ourselves with people who will treat you as if the dream has already happened. Does that make sense? We want to hang around people. We want to have those closest to us that can partner with us, that can speak over us, that can declare over us the promises of God, even when we can't see those promises ourselves. We want to be parents that can speak over our children the promises of God and that can give them that double portion even when there's no evidence of, of anything that day. Like with JL, uh, we, and Garrison, we are not raising, I'll use JL as an example because I have hundreds of stories. We are not raising a little girl. We're raising a worshiper because JL is a worshiper. And we're raising uh, a woman who lives in radical obedience. I'm a woman who lives in radical obedience. And so in November, she came to me. She just turned eight. She was seven. And she looked really burdened and really upset. And she said, would God tell me to give away something that I really love? So it was a heavy question for a seven-year-old. So we sat her down. We had just read about Abraham and Isaac, and we used language that was appropriate and explained that to her. Yes, yes, God would tell you to give away something that you really love. And so then she tells us that God told her to give away this very expensive dollhouse. 
she told us the two girls that she was supposed to give it to. And she wanted to load it up that very second and take it to their home. If I was raising a little girl, I would have said, JL, are you sure? Are you sure you love that dollhouse? You play with it every single day. Are you sure you heard from God? Right? But since I'm raising a woman who's, who lives in radical obedience, who knows how to usher in the presence of God, who speaks life over every situation, since I'm raising that kind of woman, I said, yeah, okay, we'll take it to him today. Which was amazing, right? It was ama- I was able to just help her with that. Here's the thing. Can I speak over her the promises of God when she's crying in the grocery store because she didn't get a $5 toy, <laughs> Right? Can we speak that? Can we declare that? Can we give that double portion out when the evidence, when we've seen no evidence of any kind of fruit of the Spirit, right? Can we do that? Can we be a people who can call out the God, the gold in other people? Can we be a people that can get God's heart for somebody and say, I don't know, they just, I don't know God, but you do. So how do you see them? Because I'm not seeing them the way you're seeing them. Whether it's someone we work with, whether it's our spouse, whether it's our children. And can we partner with the Holy Spirit and get God's heart for someone and give them that double portion? All right, let's go on. Six. And because the Lord had closed her womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. And I think one translation I was reading said something about Hannah had so much inner turmoil. And we have that, right? We're not meant to have that. We're not meant to carry that. It's different from Pastor Caleb read in James, count it all joy when you encounter trials. We can go through trials in perfect peace. We were never meant to carry anxiety or depression or all these, all these other burdens. Yeah, we were never meant to carry that. But here Hannah finds herself in inner turmoil and she wept and she would not eat. And so I want to say uh, just a, a side note on, on anxiety or sadness or things, emotions that we have to uh, walk through and things that have helped uh, me and other people. There are several friends that when when I am going through a hard time or a day of self-pity or I am having trouble aligning myself, like Pastor Caleb talked about on Sunday, there are a few people that I will text and I will say, I need prayer, will you pray for me? And they will not call me and say, what's going on? Tell me about it. They will say, praying right now. And so that helps me to know that I'm surrounded. So I'll text those people and I'll get back three, hey, I'm praying right now. And that's helped me. Surround yourself with those people. Um, It changes things. And the second thing, and this is very simple, but I tell myself, and so I I feel like this is for somebody, um, there is just peace in telling yourself that this will pass. This will not last. It will not be like this forever. I know that sounds simple, but sometimes we just need to sit ourselves down and say, this will pass, and I will be okay, and God will be glorified. 
And then, as a side note too, because it says her rival provoked her, you will have people who don't understand you. They may not even like you. They may mock you. They may hurt you in in front of everyone. They may provoke you. You don't need to be friends with them. (laughs) You can still have God's heart for them. You can still show the love of God. All right, let's go on. Elk, her husband, would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? Now, I actually love this because it sounds really sweet. Or or it sounds like from a place of compassion, right? But what he's really saying is, be happy with what you got. And so you will have people. You will have people that you love and, and family that tell you, it's okay to settle. It's okay to be happy with what you've got. In fact, you you don't need to do that for the kingdom of God when you're already doing so much of this. Does that make sense? And so sometimes you're going to just have to know that God's put a dream inside you and nothing's going to stop me from that, not even the good voices. Verse 9, once when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting on a chair by the doorpost of the Lord's temple. In bitterness of soul, Hannah wept very much and prayed to the Lord. And she made a vow saying, O Lord Almighty, if you will only look upon your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life and no razor will ever be used on his head. You know what? Um, Dreams are not just for you, right? And when your internal world changes, your external world changes, and everybody changes around you because you've changed. Yes, you with so they're never just for us. As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, How long will you keep on getting drunk? Get rid of your wine. I love this again because you will have people that won't understand you. And that's okay. And you will have people, you will have good voices, you will have bad voices. That's okay. You know, I should have um, started with prerequisites to dreaming. Because there are prerequisites that we have. And and one of those was without condemnation. We live in that confidence. Another one was we are aligned. Um, And then the I would add another one about the goodness of God. That you have to know that God is good. And that you have to build everything on that secure foundation of God's goodness. Because if you don't. With every setback, with every opinion, with every failure, you'll revert back to what you know. And if that's not the truth of who God is and who you are, if that's not the truth of his goodness, then it comes out sounding like a lot of lies. And then all of a sudden you'll make statements with like, well, I guess God's just trying to teach me a lesson. Or I guess God just gave me this sickness so I could help others. They're all lies, right? They're a product of not knowing his heart and who he is. 
But if you know who you are, if you know God is good, if you are aligned, then you're ready to dream. And then all the other voices, you're able to shut them down for what they are. All right, we are on verse 15. Not so, my Lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of my grief, my great anguish and grief. Eli answered, go in peace. And may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. I love that Hannah cried out to the Lord. And then from that place, she left in peace. She said, may your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went her way and ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. Early the next morning, they arose and worshiped before the Lord, and then went back to their home at Ramah. El lay with Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time, Hannah conceived and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, because I have asked the Lord for him. And I love, and I think it's for Samuel 3.19, it says um, that Samuel grew and that the Lord was with him and that the Lord let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. And I love that because that dream took root and then it grew. And so there's a sad verse in second, I think it's second Kings 19. And it says that it was time for the women to give birth or the children to be born. And there was no strength to bring them forth. And so to close this, I'd like to just talk about things that help us to live out dreams. Where we don't stay stagnant. Where we don't stay stuck. Because our life should showcase victory. We're, we're always advancing, right? All right. So uh, isn't that a sad verse, don't y'all think? Yes. Doesn't it seem like sometimes uh, you see people who give up right before the breakthrough, right before the victory, right before the dream? And so we're not going to be those people, right? So the first thing that uh, I would say is that you have to set it before you. And Habakkuk, we know this verse. I think Pastor Chris has preached on it before, and y'all have heard this. Uh, Habakkuk 2 and 2, it says, Write the vision down, make it plain to see, so that even a runner can read it. For the vision has its appointed time. Though it tarry, wait for it, it will surely come. So you write it down. You look at it every day. There's a difference between a good dream and a God dream. And so there are dreams that I have in front. Y'all know we have a goal board at our house. There are dreams and pictures that I have on that board. I don't necessarily know if it's a good dream or a God dream. But I'm putting it up there. And then I'm dialoguing with the Holy Spirit. I'm asking God daily, what do you think about this? It could just be a good dream or it could be a God dream. But he'll speak into that as I listen. So all of this flows out of alignment. All of this I'm talking about flows out of relationship. And so you set it before you. You set it before you every day. And you stand on the promises of God. And you allow God to speak to you 
from a place of relationship. And then you write it down. And then the next thing I would say is you speak to it. So the first thing God does when he creates is he speaks. We see this in Genesis 1. Translation, it words it. I'm thinking it's 30. Beautiful. I think it's 33. It's in the Passion Translation, it words it. I'm thinking it's 33.9. Worlds, words he spoke, and worlds were birthed. I think that's it. Worlds, words he spoke, and worlds were birthed. Let it be. And there it was, springing forth, out loud or not. It, when we say something out loud or not, it tends to expose whether we believe it in our heart. Yeah? Because there's a difference between getting up and saying, this is my best day yet. Or saying, this is my, this is my best day yet. I am well able to take the land. This is a day of honor. This is a day where I will honor my family. Whatever you're needing to say in the morning, there's a difference. We've taught our kids this so much that we woke them up on Christmas Eve and we were like, or Christmas Day, and what, what day is it? And they go, this is our best day yet. <laughs> so, it's like, okay. But you say it, you declare, talk about that here, and that's very, you speak the promises of God. There are power in our words. And I know we talk about that here, and that's very simple. I know we know this. But we need to be reminded, especially when things get hard. And so sometimes when, and talking about inner turmoil, when there's turmoil or when there's, there's a situation that I don't know what to do, all I, all, all I know to do is take the word, and so there's a Bible verse, if, in Romans 12, in the Passion Translation, it says, try to outdo everybody in honor and respect. And so I, I take that to my bathroom mirror, and I look at it, and I say it. Today, I will outdo everybody in honor and respect. If I'm dealing with, with fear, with a situation that's, that I feel like fear's coming up, so I put that verse on my mirror, and I say it, there is no fear in love. Perfect love cast out fear. I will not walk in fear today. Everything I do, I do from a place of love. And I dialogue, I talk to the Holy Spirit, and he reveals things, and he reveals truth, and I continue to declare it out of my mouth. And then the last thing would be keep, keep your heart right. Which goes back to alignment, which is just another way of saying alignment. But when those things come up, and they do, quickly deal with them. Quickly deal with them. Because the Holy Spirit is always uh, telling us things. God's always speaking to us. He wants to speak to us. He's in a good mood. And so when those things come up, you deal with them, and then you go on. Amen? I read this today, and I thought it was such a good prayer for our church. And I want to end with that. this, if I can find it. And so just dreaming for our church individually, uh, for all of us, um, that we will never be stuck, that we will never hit a roadblock that we can't break through with God's love and power. That we'll never take no for an answer when we know that God is saying yes. That we will never back down from a fight God has already given us the victory for.
that will never stay in a wilderness when there are mountains to shout from, and that will never settle for plan B because plan A looks impossible. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? Proverbs 21.21, I think that I have that in there. In the Passion Translation, it reads, The lovers of God who chase after righteousness will find all their dreams come true. An abundant life, drenched with favor, and a fountain that overflows with satisfaction. So what are you dreaming about tonight? What's God putting in your heart? Or what's been there that's just been dead year after year because there's just been no hope? And that needs to be awakened and revived tonight. All you have to do is ask him. That's all it takes. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithvaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.